Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I'm going to operate the same way every day. You know, I'm going to make people have fun fishing. That's my number one goal, and I'm going to teach them stuff. Where fishing gets a negative connotation, it's the sitting and waiting. Fly fishing, the only way it's going to work is if you get really involved with it. It's a very active, participative way of fishing. We use the dart analogy a lot, too. When you throw a dart, you pull your arm back, and you push it as straight forward and go. There's always a really good fly fishing club. That's where if you don't have a friend that fly fishes, you will make a friend that fly fishes because that's what, that's what these clubs like to do. It's always fun to show that to somebody and have it click with them and see it come to life You know, in the next 10 minutes. This is Jordan Romney uh, with Drift on the Fly, and you're listening to the Wild Initiative Podcast. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. You and I and everybody listening to this owns 640 million acres. I think he killed more deer drinking his coffee, smoking his cigarette in the pickup truck than I did spending all that time freezing my butt off. Something that I would hope is that people realize that those are wild animals and they have savage natures. I look forward to packing animals out. I look forward to that pain of success. Doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter where you live. I've said it before and you know what I'll say it again louder for the people in the back. Your present circumstance should not limit your passions. This is Jay Scott of the Jay Scott Outdoors podcast. Hey, this is Ryan Callahan. Hi, this is Jules McQueen. Hey everybody, Jason Carter here with Epic Outdoors. Hey guys, this is Tim Burnett with Solo Hunter. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. All right, y'all, here we are at the International Sportsman's Expo in, I was about to say Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah, I'm, we would be I'm, a little far from there. <laughs> I'm, I'm used to, an, like, when I'm at expos, that's the one I'm used to doing podcasts at. But we are not in Salt Lake City, Utah. We are here at the International Sportsman's Expo in Sacramento, California. And I am sitting here with Mr. Jordan Romney. Hello, everybody. Drift on the fly. Jordan, thanks so much for sitting down with me today. Yeah, of course. This is easy. <laughs> Talking fishing. 
I was going to say, you know, it's a really, really rough day when you got to sit down and talk fishing yeah. with someone, right? Yeah, especially to people who like fishing. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I always like to start out with is just an introduction of who you are, uh, what you do, and how you got into this whole sure. outdoors fishing, the whole shebang. Yeah, so I grew up in a little town called Winters, California. It's right outside of Davis, a small little farm town. And uh, luckily, I grew up with the right dad and brothers who, you know, really pushed fishing and the family loved to fish. And as we grew up and we kind of went different ways with sports and different things, I still fished. <laughs> you know, I was the kid that, you know, would usually ride my uh, bike around town with the, with the spin rod in his backpack. Um, and you know, I was just loved the idea of fishing. Didn't matter what it had, as long as it had gills, it was for me. <laughs> and uh, I begged my dad, to, you know, take me fishing on weekends, and then I would take myself fishing wherever I could in town. And then um, my whole world changed uh, when I got a driver's license. So you know, I grew up with the gear rod in my hand, and you know, I could cast it a mile, and I hooked a million fish on it. And uh, once I started branching out and driving to places when I could take myself fishing, that's when I started seeing more people fly fish. And uh, I done so well on the spin rod by the time I was that age and I saw that and I went that is for me <laughs> that is my challenge right there I want to master that and I was luckily and fortunate that I grew up 10 minutes from one of the best uh tailwaters maybe in the country uh it's not easy but it's it's rewarding it's called wait, wait a second we're we're in <laughs> California here yeah uh one there's no outdoor activities allowed in California two it's only <laughs> if there's fishing it's only ocean fishing right you know come on come on don't try and pull one over on yeah me. no uh this place it's called Pewter Creek um it's small you know it, it has a lot of interest with it but it is so rewarding it is such a peaceful such a good place to fly fish and it's very convenient because where population lives it's very close so you spend more time fishing than driving <laughs> to places to fish right um and as a 16 year old kid when you're walking around with a fly rod and you know neoprene waders that are all torn apart and and the fly fishermen back then saw me they're like come here kid <laughs> you know let me see your rig no change that and let me see a cast and so they were very helpful to me and you know that branched out you know i um i went to college at chico state and had some roommates that fly fished chico. and go and, uh, you know, it was done there, you know, steelhead runs almost made me not graduate college. <laughs> um, you know, when midterms See, were coming around, I was normally at Chico. There's very different reasons why people yeah. aren't, aren't about ready to graduate. Yeah. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, nice I to definitely, hear someone definitely that... partook in a little bit of that too, but you know, my, my focus was on fishing and, uh, I, I got out of school and got a job and moved to Tahoe and, you know, started to get in this corporate world and, you know, saw that I didn't like it. <laughs> and I uh, was so into the fishing thing, and I became friends with guides up there and, you know, fished with them and watched what they did. And eventually, like, one of my best friends um, was starting a fly fishing school. His name Matt Heron. Uh, he has a school up in, in Squaw Valley. He started having me shadow and teach classes with him, right? So I didn't need a guide license. You could do whatever on the ponds. I'm like, hey, I kind of like this. You know, this, this, this is fun. This is fun teaching people this stuff. And he said, you know, he tried to talk to me and he's like, you know, you should look into guiding, you know, it would be better for you. And at that point I was like, ah, I'm a fisherman, you know, <laughs> like I'm not going to mix my, my passion with my career. Like, you know, I don't want to turn it into a I job. Yeah. It doesn't want to be a job. And, uh, you know, eventually I decided to do it. And I went to a guide school up at the Clearwater Lodge in 2009. Uh, I graduated from that and quit my job and found a new one. <laughs> so 10, 10, 11 years later, wherever we are now, uh, a full-time guide. Uh, my wife and I live in Grass Valley, and I do about 225 
days a year on the water. So I'm a full-time, full-time guide. This is all I do. Uh, luckily, I have a wife that works, so that's uh, the way that it works for the family and, and all the adult stuff we have to do now. But um, I don't really see myself doing anything else. This is what I do. So I want to give you just a, a quick minute, talk a little bit about your guide service, give your, your elevator pitch, your promo here. Sure. Give you a chance to talk about that. So, yeah, I, I basically... I guide from home within two hours. So anything that has a gill and anybody wants to go fish it, we do it. So uh, Truckee Tahoe area, you know, is, is one of my bread and butters. I do almost half my business up there. And then down in the Sacramento Valley, I split it up between the Feather River, which is a steelhead fishery, uh, the Yuba River with a trout fishery, and Pewter Creek, which is my home water. So mainly what I do is trout. I get a few smallmouth trips and some other stuff. Um, very select. And, you know, as long as the rivers are, you know, something's in shape, we have a chance to fish. So most people go fishing when it's warmer, but it's actually better when it's colder. <laughs> most of these fish we're going after are cold-blooded. So, um, you know, the better fishing is fall through spring, and it can be okay during the summertime. But certainly we're more busy in the summertime, but fishing actually is better when it's colder. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you can find me on Instagram and YouTube and email. I have a website. Uh, it's driftonthefly.com. And, you know, uh, a lot of people, I get this question, it, it's really weird in my mind. They come up to me like, do you, do you take beginners? I'm like, <laughs> absolutely. Like, I, I don't care who I have. I'm going to operate the same way every day. You know, I'm going to make people have fun fishing. That's my number one goal. And I'm going to teach them stuff because I can do that every day. As far as fishing goes, if you have a, if you've ever fished or if you fished multiple times, you start to get to the understanding that sometimes it's really good. Sometimes it's fishing and sometimes it's really poor. <laughs> And I can tell you what conditions are, are and what they've been like and, you know, the seasons and this is generality is what happens. But day in, day out, it's not always the same. Like sometimes you crush them one day with beginner anglers, right? And you're like, that's a phenomenal day. And you go back the next day with people who have skills and it's not as good. And you're just like, what? How, how is that a thing? <laughs> that's just the weird world we live in. Yeah. So speaking of beginner anglers, you know, there's there's beginner anglers that that have maybe just started fly fishing they have some experience and then there's beginner anglers that are like okay there's the thing with the string and uh -huh. the spinny thing and that's about all i know sure. <laughs> so what you know if somebody's looking to get their start where do i go i you know i picked up my first fly rod but say i haven't even picked up a fly rod yet what sure. you know I, I'm like, fly fishing looks awesome. I'm here at the expo. I'm watching these dudes, like, casting like it's, like it's an art form. Mm -hmm. I want to do that. What now? Yeah, simply, um, you know, the, the desire to get into fly fishing, you know, if it's about catching fish, there's a lot easier ways to do it. <laughs> this is like taking you skiing and putting you on the black diamond, right? Or this is like taking you hunting and handing you a bow. Yeah, so uh, we're we're a very you don't, niche. You don't know about my my history. <laughs> and it, the, my listeners definitely do. My very first hunt was an, a solo backcountry archery elk hunt. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> so you went that route. So the, so you got to fly route on your first day. Exactly. <laughs> um, continue. So so the the big difference, right, with what we're trying to do is our fly rods have a fly line, and that fly line is what it's the heavy part of the system that takes a fly out to the fish. So it's a, it's a stylistic cast that's taking something weightless to the fish. Where a gear rod, what you're using to catch the fish is a heavy part of the situation. So you have something heavy with light line and the heavy part takes the stuff out of the fish. We do the reverse, right? Our, our heavy line takes the light thing out to the fish. That's the polar opposites of what a gear rod and a fly rod does. 
Um, I was telling you earlier, that one of the reasons why I have a job is because anybody that's ever seen a fly rod casted looks and sees it and says, that looks cool, I want to do it. Mm-hmm. And it, you can do it. Anybody can do it. I feel like this sport, um, it really looks and tailors to maybe the fishermen with ADD. So a lot of women really enjoy fly fishing, you know, who don't have a fishing background. Kids enjoy fly fishing that don't have a fishing background. So where fishing gets a negative connotation, it's the sitting and waiting. Sitting in the boat, you know, with the bobber and the worm. And I grew up doing that. Mm-hmm. And eventually I got bored with it. Fly fishing, the only way it's going to work is if you get really involved with it. Right? So you have to, you're constantly doing something. So if you have a little bit of that ADD and you need to be doing stuff during the day and being active, it's a very active, participative way of fishing. Mm-hmm. So for the people that are looking to get into it, number one, it's not just trout. So we catch carp, bluegill, shad, stripers, uh, I mean, there's guys that are guiding for Mako sharks in San Diego on the fly. So it, it, is a, it was built around trout, but it has grown to so much more. So don't, don't be so typecasted like I don't have anywhere to <laughs> trout fish. You could fly fish for, you know, the, the squawfish, you know, in the little pond by your house or the bluegill. Okay. Uh, number two is, so it used to be, you know, what our saying is fly fishing is not just for your grandpa anymore. So the way it, it grew up, it was kind of a rich person sport. It mm-hmm. was very expensive, and only rich people did it. Now, it's, it's so awesome and cool, there's so much different product available. So it's not that expensive to get into it anymore. It can be. If your personality wants the yeah. $1,000 stuff, you can go get it. But certainly, like Reddington's and Echo, the, there's these companies that are making fabulous product for, you know, you can get a whole rod reel outfit for, you know, 130 bucks, And then you need a pocket full of flies, and you can go fishing. So mm-hmm. it's not, it's not an um, expensive sport like it used to be. And now that's opening the doors to different demographics of people and women, you know, and, and so a lot more people can go actually you know, go fly fishing. And it's awesome to see diversity of people fishing now. Um, so you can read product reviews. We always recommend find your local fly shop. So the people in there, they know fly fishing gear. They know what to sell you. Where some of the bigger, you know, stores, um, I won't mention any names. I don't know who's sponsored, but, or yeah. the Amazons online, you're, you're not dealing with somebody who actually knows what they're selling you. So if you go into a fly shop, they're going to have from low end stuff to high end stuff, everything still catches the same amount of fish. <laughs> um, so when you're getting into, you know, a setup or something, they're going to look at you and ask you where you're going to be fishing and what you want to spend and give you the best product for that tool. Where buying online, you don't have that, that help for people. I always tell people when it comes to whether it's fishing or archery or shooting, whatever it is, you only need gear that works as well as you do. Right. <laughs> so if you, you know, you can, yeah, you can spend a few hundred bucks on a fly rod and reel and all of that. You can spend several hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, but if you still can't cast, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it really doesn't matter. Um, you know, and I, it's, it's always a balance between, you know, buy once, cry once. And but yeah. then also invest, you know, buying something that is really on that you don't need to, you don't have to, I should say. Uh, and having backups of stuff too. So like a lot of people get into their first setup and, you know, they don't spend as much, right. They get mm-hmm. into something a little bit on the lower end and it's still a performer. It's still going to perform to your ability and do that. And then eventually down the road they go, I like fly fishing. I want to get something a little bit better. That first purchase isn't bad. 
yeah. you still have that rod. So now that you're going out to the river, you have multiple setups, right? You have a rod that's dedicated for this style of fishing, and now your old rod's dedicated to that. So, uh, you know, when the situation occurs, when the fish are doing different things, you already have another setup ready to go. Mm-hmm. So instead of sitting down on the rocks, untying things, clipping stuff off, re-rigging and trying to, like, learn those knots, takes you a half hour, and you get up, and then you go fish again, you can literally just grab your rod, set the other one down, and go fish, right? Well, the nice thing about the rods, too, is they're, they're mod- is somewhat modular. You can start swapping out. You don't have to buy a whole new kit to replace it. You can upgrade your reel. You can upgrade your, the rod the, itself. The biggie can, now, in, you know, as far as stuff, you know, the stuff that's changed um, in the technologies, the fly lines. Fly lines make, make or break the setup now. Um, every, like there's companies that have they've put so much thought and design into what the line does now. That it can make, you know, it can make a hundred and thirty dollar rod feel like a five hundred dollar rod because mm-hmm. you put a better line on it. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's amazing when you think about something so simple. You know, it, it, unless you know a ton about it, and especially fly line, like you think like it's fly, like it's a line on a it's line on a reel. What's you know what's the big deal? But you think about like once you learn about it and you learn how much like science and thought mm-hmm. and and experimentation and technology goes into creating that it's yeah. really amazing. And that goes back. To, so so yeah, when you're learning to cast, right? Um, so way better casters and way uh, more scientific people than us have designed these things, right? And they've been working and redesigning and redesigning these things for fifty years. That tool is so good now that it is what you're using to perform. So most people, when they start casting, they go with way too much power and they try to baseball throw it. Mm-hmm. That rod is designed to cast a certain way, right? It's meant to be effortless. It's meant to be look artful and easy like, like the pros are doing up there. And when you're giving it all that power and all that muscle and all that you know, energy, you're taken away from what the tool is supposed to do. And all it does is make you tired. <laughs> so there's a concentration level thing in fly fishing. You know, it's reading water, it's understanding fish and bugs and entomology, and there's so many different areas to it that are so fascinating. And if you're too tired by the third hour because you've been cranking on that rod, you're not helping yourself. So our, our teaching style, we keep it very simple, right? I can make it complicated. I could give you the scientific grain weights and why that rod loads, but that make people go cuckoo bird. Um, we keep it very simple on the stroke, the cast, what you need to do. More so, so when, if fishing turns on in the sixth hour, that people aren't so fatigued and their arm hurts so bad because they've been cranking on that rod all day. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, speaking about casting, um, maybe maybe break down the the parts of the cast for sure. us, and and then we can kind of get into how how people can can practice and really start improving uh, on their casting ability. So visually, the cast is way different on how it looks versus what it is. People cast based on what they thought it looked like, but they don't break down the smaller steps and cast on you know these actual things that are happening. Uh, so the number one, we talked about power. Don't use it. Right, you're gonna you're gonna learn faster by underpowering things to cast with more feel, right? Um, the the fly rods work because of load. I mean, gear rods load too, so they bend and they make a cast. So think of a catapult. When it's moving forward and hits that stopping point, it throws mm-hmm. whatever's in the catapult, right? So when we're making casts, we're moving the rod tip in a straight line path to the target, 
and we accelerate the rod to the back cast and the forward cast and we accelerate to a stop and it's very crisp. It's like you're driving 25 and you slam on the brakes. It's not driving 25 and a tap, tap, tap or driving 25 and you know, tap. It's an acceleration to a stop. So when you move that rod backwards, that line pulls the rod tip and bends it forward. And once you hit that stopping point, it catapults it behind you. And now your timing, your, what your thought process is, you're waiting for the rod to completely, that line to completely unload, bend the rod backwards so that's your cue to go forward. So that's a loaded rod, a bent rod making casts. What mainly people do is they get <clears throat> too quick, right? So the line <clears throat> hasn't completely stretched out to bend the rod. Um, they cast with a lot of wrist. So your wrist, as it's moving like a big dome shape, the line's going to follow wherever the tip of the rod goes. So if you're trying to cast in a dome, right, it's going to fall at your feet in a big pile. If you cast with that rod tip straight, right, like you have a paintbrush on it and you're painting a ceiling, when it goes forward, it makes a cast. So we use the dart analogy a lot too. When you throw a dart, you pull your arm back and you push it as straight forward and go. You don't baseball throw and arc your arm and rotate your wrist down because you're never going to hit anything. Right. I really like that analogy because now that I'm thinking about like where, you know, the, the mistakes I make when mm-hmm. casting, like it, it's like a, a super simple adjustment that when just when you're able to picture it the right way. Yeah. It's like you can tell people you're like, yeah, no, back and forth, stop here, this and that. But they still won't get it. But you give you give like a nice little analogy like that. And it's suddenly my whole brain like, like, oh, yeah. switched right now. I'm like. I get it 10 times better than I did, and, did and, before. And how simple is that? Yeah. So the beauty in fly fishing, and it's very simple. Individually, this is easy. Every time I show somebody something, I teach somebody something, their brain says, oh, duh. That, that's simple. That makes a lot of sense. When I start giving them everything, 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 collectively, they're like, oh, that was a lot of stuff. <laughs> so there's a lot to it. But individually, simple. It's not rocket science. Like, we're yeah. not solving equations here. We're just putting the 10,000 ODA things together, you know, to perform in a fly fishing. Um, but going back to that cast, when, you know, people are learning how to do it, one of the things that we use a lot is we carry, like, pretty stout rubber bands or hair ties or people wearing a long sleeve shirt. You take the butt of the rod and you put it in the cuff of your shirt or underneath the rubber band so that when you cast, your wrist can't break. Interesting. And it forces you to cast without using your wrist. So now you have to use more of an arm stroke and make that rod move. Mm-hmm. And if you're, you know, you break the button on your shirt, you know that you're using <laughs> your wrist. Or if you stretch that rubber band and it breaks, or if that rod pops out, you know that you're a wrist caster. And that's what you need to work on to take away. There's also, a product idea for you right yeah, there. Right? Some I've, sort I've of seen, little, I've, uh, I've seen some gimmicky stuff from like 10 years ago that I laughed at. <laughs> I was like, that's something, that's something you get in like your fisherman's box monthly, yeah, yeah, uh, monthly, monthly subscription, subscription or yeah. something. It's <laughs> a good idea. We'll cut that out of the show so uh, nobody gets my idea. There we go. We'll be, we'll be millionaires. Next pet rock. There we go. <laughs> yeah, the pet rock. Um, so the other, the other big thing with the cast, and this is so that you can cast and not get tired, is... The fly rod is designed to cast on a time. You know, it's a timing game. And most people, even when they firm up the wrist, they use a big arm stroke. So there's, there's two definitions in your cast. It's rod stroke and rod arc. Stroke is how much your arm moves. Arc is how much your wrist moves. And so these casts are almost no wrist, right? So the, the less movement of the rod 
and the longer timing, the better the cast. If your rod is moving really far distances between the forward and the backstroke, then you have to catch up to that timing. And, you know, if, if everybody held, if we, we should have started the show and said, everybody hold their arm out. And then I got to this point, you try to hold your arm out for that long, it's going to fall off. <laughs> right? So the more you're, you're using that bigger arm stroke, your arm has to extend away from your body more. Your cast needs to be comfortable. You need to bring it into your body. And so, you know, when I'm casting and showing people, my rod, my arm is, and we can't show you over the podcast, but it's, it's literally moving six inches. Right? Mm-hmm. Not moving. Now extend and do this all day where and you guys don't see what I'm doing, but my yeah. arm is three feet away from my body. My arm would fall. My arm would yeah. fall off, and I do this all the time. You extend that arm out, and you're using your shoulder yep. muscles, muscles that yep. aren't aren't as powerful, and you don't have as much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you think about it as like a, a lever. You have a, a longer lever. It takes a lot less pressure sure. on that end. That's so. exactly how it goes, yeah. And, yeah, and you'll see, uh, you know, after a day casting with your arm out there, like you'll need some icy hot by the end of the day because of a three-ounce <laughs> fly rod. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's a, that's a fantastic tip for folks that want to start working on their, again, what are, what are the terms, the arc and the, and, the, and the stroke. And the stroke. And that gets a little nerdy, right? That's like the very scientific side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, some people love that stuff, <laughs> you know, uh, and some people could care less about it. But I, so as a guide, you know, part of what I do, like I know how to do this so well in depth and I know so many different ways to teach people, right? Because you could be a brilliant angler. angler. You're not going to be necessarily a good guide. Right. They mm-hmm. don't transition like you need to be a good angler to be a good guide, but you need to know how to do this so well in depth. So when somebody's, you know, doing something on their cast or their men's or their technique of fishing, you can look at it and say, it's not working because of this. Yeah. You know, so I know every part of it so well that, you know, when I see somebody doing something, I'll be like, hey, that's not working because of this. And then there's, here's how you fix it. So, you know, I know how to break down the steps so well individually and connect it with people that that's what my job's about. Mm -hmm. All right. And it's so fun to see somebody progress. It's so fun to show that to somebody and have it click with them and see it come to life, you know, in the next 10 minutes. That's where I get my kicks on guiding. So if someone's at home, they've, you know, maybe they've been watching videos, learning the basics. What's, uh, what are some good steps for them to, to start practicing, um, Sure. So we, we, we always talk, you know, you, everybody's heard the practice makes perfect. It's perfect practice makes perfect. Mm-hmm. So you can go out, like I'm going to say that, you know, anytime you're practicing, it's helping. But if you're practicing in the wrong ways with the wrong steps, those are the things that take longer to unlearn, right? So if you teach yourself a bad habit on your fishing, it's, it's going to take a while for me to undo that with you because you're training muscle memory, right? There's so much muscle memory and, and casting a fly rod and fishing um, that the longevity of it, you get it down, mm-hmm. right? Um, so when you're out doing your deal and you're, you're making these casts, you know, you, you need to go with a written game plan, you know, write stuff down, the stuff to look at. One of the best tools, and everybody has a really good video camera in their pocket, is to videotape your casting. Right. And, and you can be critical on yourself. Right. And, and the slow-mo feature is even even better. I mean, I, I, I when somebody is really not working with somebody, I videotape them with that slow-mo feature. And we scroll through and we watch exactly where their arm and wrist are going through that cast. Mm-hmm. And they see what's going on. And they look at it and go, 
I am doing that, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, you you're saying it. I wasn't feeling that I was doing it, doing it that way, but I can see now what I'm doing it that way. Uh, it, don't scroll back through my Instagram and look and, at, and, at my and slow-mo Jack, videos. Yeah. They're, they're pretty rough. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's saying. how it starts. You know, that's how it starts. I mean, I practiced probably five days a week mm-hmm. for years. And not just 10 minutes going out, you know, to the lawn and, you know, casting for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, putting the rod down. I mean, I did that routinely, routinely, routinely to get this down. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have to be a world champion caster to enjoy fishing. Right. Uh, there's there's different sides to it. Like you don't have to be a great angler to enjoy fishing. If you want to catch more fish, you're going to have to put more focus into it. But people just love putting on boots and waders and standing in a river. You know, if you've never done that, that's that's special. Right. And people like the idea of just even casting into a fish, even if they're not biting. Right. Just I mean, certainly like our progression, I'm trying to get people to catch fish. But I mean, if that's what it's about there's way easier ways to do it. Um, you know, this is, this is about all the elements that tie into what we're doing for the day. So say somebody's got kind of the basics down They're Yeah. You know, 75% of the time they're getting the, they're getting the line out there. It's not getting tangled. They're not, you know, they're not snapping off flies, anything like that. Uh, what, uh, what are some things that they should maybe be examining in their cast then to, to really kind of get it to the next level to become a more accurate, uh, a better fly caster? So uh, when we start teaching classes, we don't use an actual fly. We just tie a piece of yarn at the end because, you know, tying a hook around beginners, flying around the ears, you know, makes (laughs) makes some comical surgeries at times. So we just start with yarn. Now, having a target, right, a hula hoop is a simple one. You know, put it 35 feet away from you because that's usually about the distance that we need to cast to a fish. And, you know, practice and see and judge yourself. I made 10 casts and I I got near that target six of them. You know, we want you into the eight or nine. I want to be 11 out of 10. You know, that's that's how my goal works. Um, And then, you know, so if you're when you're working after that yarn, put a put a hook on. You know, if you're casting and, and that hook snapping off. You're the tying a bad knot. That could be one. Um, or your timing's off and you're, you're, you're confusing that system and it's breaking off. Or if you're tangling a lot, right, then you need to go back to the drawing board and, and use that videotape and see, see why that stuff's happening. Because your perfect practice when you're doing that, you know, if you're tangling six times during, you know, your half hour, you know, casting practice, imagine what that looks like on the river. <laughs> you know, how much time. So the number one thing I know is that fish don't eat the flies in the air. They eat it on the water. If you're sitting down in the bushes, untangling, cutting stuff off, you're taken away from your fishing time. So you're trying to, you know, graduate to an effective fishing time fisherman or fisherwoman, you mm-hmm. know, uh, where, where you're spending more time with your flies floating down in the water. And the more you're practicing that stuff, you're going to get less tangles. You're going to see less of that stuff happening. So this is a question i uh, that I've kind of come across in, in my practicing. And, and it's, it's one thing I feel like when, you know, you're actually out on the water and your lines line is out there and you have that resistance from the water, but say, you know, I'm practicing at home. Uh, you know, I don't have that, that clinging resistance of my line Mm -hmm. in the water. When I want to, when I say I want to start casting, how much, uh, not counting that leader, I guess, how much of the line do I typically want to start with out of, out of my pole? Yeah. So, uh, 
when we're talking about how that rod loads, right, that fly line, that mass of the line, the heaviness of it bends the rod and goes, a short cast is really hard to make. You know, a 20-foot cast, a 15-foot cast is hard to make because that's not a lot of line to give you a lot of load in that rod. Certainly on the other end, a 55-foot cast is hard to do. So we generally, we start about 35 feet, right? So that's kind of 25 to 35 feet. That's your perfect amount of line that's going to load that rod for that casting. Um, now, you know, when you're casting on the lawn and doing that sort of thing, we're starting with easy casts that are repetitive. So we're not increasing or decreasing line. We're just, you know, so we start with 30 feet. We're going to cast 30 feet for a little while till we're warmed up. So you would recommend literally dropping off the tip of the line, 30, yeah. 30 feet of line, putting it and, out there and starting and then using it to yep. load the lot, load and the lot, load the load rod. the rod. And then, <laughs> and then, you know, after you're warmed up, then you're going to learn how to add line to the cast, right? So you're, you're, you're starting at 25 feet and then you're adding 10 more feet, 20 more feet, 30 more feet kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And after that thing lands, you're looking, you're judging, did that thing land straight? Is it a big pile? You know, did I get there an efficient amount of time? Did it take me 20 casts there when I could have got there in two? Kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Quick, quicker to the game. It's like golf, few shots wins. <laughs> um, and after that thing lands, you put the line on your finger, you strip back up to your 30 feet mark, and you repeat. You start casting, you get warmed up, you shoot more line, you shoot more line, you shoot more line, you get more distance. You let it down, strip it back up, and repeat. And that's the cycle that we go through over and over and over. Okay. And so when you say you're letting out more line, let's maybe talk a little bit about that. How, what's, the, what's, that what's that process kind of look like? So, yeah, to break it down, um, so when we're talking about the timing and how that rod moves, you're still going to be traveling that straight line path. And that rod, it's going to not move very much during the cast. So, so shorter rod stroke, longer pauses, so the rod has a chance to load it's going to take longer for 40 feet of line to load than 25, right? Because there's more line going back. Mm-hmm. So you're starting with those warm-up casts. Um, I'll back up for a second. This is the cast now where if you're right-handed, the line's going to be in your left hand, or vice versa. If you're left-handed, the line's going to be in your right hand. And you're pinching the line, and you're starting to warm up with that 30-foot cast. Once you're warmed up, when you hit the forward stop of your cast, you're going to loosen up your fingers and a little bit of line is going to shoot as you finish the cast. And now we went from 30 feet to maybe 34 feet. And so you've, at this point, you've pulled line out off the reel. It's, stand, it's down at my feet. Okay. Yep, it's down at my feet. So now I bring that rod to back for another cast and I go forward, and I hit my stop and I, let a, I loosen up my fingers and, and five more feet shoots out. So now I'm at about 40 feet make one more back cast, come forward, loosen up the line from my fingers, and now I'm probably closer to 50-something feet. So as you go, you're able to shoot more line because there's more line loaded and it wants to go. And usually about that fourth cast, you can bring it back and cast, loosen up your fingers, and now you're at 60 feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so you so, only release line then on the, on the forward stop, not the rear stop typically to start learning we just do the forward stop okay. when people get that down then we start teaching them how to add it on the backstop so that way we can get there in fewer fewer casts now the, the the places where people struggle is they let the line go too early mm-hmm. so they make their back cast they start moving their rod tip forward for their forecast and they're letting the line go so what happens is that they're moving that rod tip forward they're letting the line go 
and the line starts to slide through the rod. And so the rod doesn't load anymore. Mm-hmm. It goes from loaded to unloaded because that line's sliding and the cast just collapses and falls. So you only let that line go after that last cast. You hit the cast and then you let the line go. You don't let that line go in the middle of a cast. The number two is people make too many casts. Right? It is really hard to keep that line elevated in there in that air for 30 casts. Right? Yeah. Something's going to collapse. Something's going to go wrong. Once your cast goes wrong, it is so hard to recover it. <laughs> you just stop, start over. It's, it's way more beneficial to start up and start over. I've uh, spent a lot more time after trying to recover a yeah. bad cast yeah. uh, untangling than, That's than like when the, the 30 happen. seconds it takes to unloop it just once when right. I stop immediately. You know, the final thing, and everybody guilt, is guilty of it. I still do it at times. Um, it's what we call last cast syndrome. You know, people start, you know, having soft casts and they got a good stroke going. They got two or three good casts going. But now it's time to present the fly. And for whatever reason, everybody goes, good cast, good cast, good cast. Time to deliver. Baseball throw. Mm-hmm. Last cast syndrome. I mean, you watch good cast, good cast, good cast, bad cast. So well, that's probably 60% of the time for yeah, me is that, that last cast syndrome. I mean, but you already have a good thing going. If you would have let that third cast go and it was good mm-hmm. it would have went mm-hmm. so what we say is don't change anything you got good things going just just stop your cast and watch it go yeah no i i identify with that greatly it's always on it is it's always on, on that, that last, last cast you're like <laughs> all right let's do this let's yeah because <laughs> it's time to go right get out there man <laughs> and i do it from times so i catch myself doing it too at times oh man so somebody came up to you here at the show you know Maybe they were here checking out some hunting stuff, and they've been interested in fly fishing. Maybe they came to one of your seminars here. Uh, we didn't even touch on that. You're you're teaching a couple of seminars here. Yeah, I do. I'm doing uh, casting demos each day. Uh, they're about an hour long. Uh, there's several other good casters too. So if you're not here during my hour, the, some of my buddies out here, we all work together. We all um, fish That's together okay. a lot you too. Can tell, you can tell me what you really <laughs> think about them after. No, the yeah, they're they're good fishermen. They're good they're good teachers too. Um, and then I'm doing a couple of theater presentations, pretty specifically on uh, on next level. It's called next level nymphing, which is a very specific form of fly fishing, um, where our flies are subsurface. We fish with an indicator a lot of times. It's very, um, very technical. It's a very technical topic. Okay, um, but it's it's one of the best ones I've I've come up with. I feel. But so say somebody you know maybe caught part of one of your presentations or saw you demoing, and they come up to me. They're like, "Man, that's awesome!" And like, but I don't know. You know, I don't have any friends that do this. I've got no experience. I've never, I've barely ever even used a spin rod, but I really want to get into it. I just not sure. What would you, what kind of encouragement, what kind of, uh, words of wisdom would you give, give to that person? You know, I would say locally, there's always a really good fly fishing club, right? Sacramento has like four of them. You know, I'm sure there's a club up in Red Bluff where you're at, but um, those are always really good resources for for almost not, next to nothing mm-hmm. of people that want to help people fish. You know, then that's where if you don't have a friend that fly fishes, you will make a friend <laughs> that fly fishes because that's what that's what these clubs like to do. Um, number two is you just got to go right. I, I we I probably hear it thirty times a day is like, you know, I don't go fishing as much as I want to. You know, there's a whole bunch of excuses to not go fish. All you need is one excuse to go fishing, right? You just got to get out there and and go try it. I guarantee that you will have the most fun first day of fishing 
you'll be so shocked about how much you enjoy it. Um, you get so much out of it. You get so much back in return for it. And that's like, you know, from across the board of, um, of outdoor stuff, right? Your, 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 your whole podcast and your whole initiative is yep. outdoor stuff. And I'm, I'm not knocking anything on this thing, but fly fishing is one of the few outdoor things that leaves nothing and takes nothing. Right. Majority of the time we're, we're catching release, right? Because we want somebody else to be able to catch that fish. We mainly target wild fish, so they're usually protected anyway. But it's something that you go out and there's no take, right? There's, there's nothing that you're removing from, from, from the resource. So there's a beauty in just in that sense. Um, you know, for, it's intimidating for, some, for, for people, mm-hmm. you know, uh, get kind of nervous about it. Everybody had their first day once. Well, and a lot of times, you know, especially as guys, it's hard to go do something and not be good at it right away. And it's, oh, a, yeah. it's a, there's a little bit of embarrassment yeah, there we're sometimes. Dudes. You're like, yeah. I don't like, I yeah. don't like, I don't want to go out <laughs> and have these guys like see me freaking screwing the pooch on this cast. Like, yeah. what, you know, well, ah, that's weird. It's hard. It's hard sometimes yeah. to get over that little bit, little bit of pride. I, I say that to, to people all the time. It was like, you're just being a dude. this is this this is such a lighthearted thing you know we're such a small flight we're such a small industry is the term we use like uh everybody's out here to have fun well it's like your experience like you said when you first started you you were out there you were doing it you were trying trying your hand at it and probably weren't doing that great but some guys saw you and they're like all right let me go let me go help this guy and you would have never you know if you just decided to be too embarrassed and not go out. You would have never had that experience. I, I would wager a bet that there is no one that's ever tried fish, tried fly fishing and not tried it again. <laughs> yeah, there, there's no way you could just do it once. Yep. Nobody's brain would ever allow them to do that. All right, so uh, we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but just to remind everyone, uh, if people want to follow along, if people maybe even want to book a trip, where can they find you online? Yeah, so my company is Drift on the Fly, and I got an Instagram handle called Drift on the Fly, and then uh, my website's driftonthefly.com. We just kept it real simple there. Uh, email, phone, you know, text, uh, and I'm the guy that, even if you're just looking for fishing advice and places to go or product or whatever, just shoot me a message. I'm, I'm, I, I just want to help people. You know, I have to make a living, you know, <laughs> it's part of my get rich slow scheme for sure. Um, <laughs> I like that. I'm, I'm stealing that one. <laughs> yeah. Big, big time. You know, this is a lifestyle thing for me and I'm happy and my wife's happy and our family's happy and I get to do what I love to do. And, um, I just like helping people and, you know, booking trips and, and, you know, things are happening and my calendar fills up and I'm happy and I love working with beginners and people who are advanced, you know, across the board. I, I just, I just like fishing and being around people who like to fish. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time today, sitting down with me at a great time talking about like fishing. I, like I said, easy to talk fishing to people who like fishing. <laughs> All right, y'all, that'll do it for this episode of The Wild Initiative. Make sure you head on over to the show notes page. Check out everything we talked about in today's episode. Get links to all of the socials and the website. Maybe go book a fishing trip here in California. Yeah. All right, y'all, that's it for this week. I hope uh, this episode inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. 
Thank you for listening to the Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from the Wild Initiative family, and more. 